0: We're in a weird moment right now where a lot of my baseline advice, go outside the house, find where people are gathering, walk up to random people, you know, and say hi. Obviously, that doesn't apply in the middle of a pandemic. But I actually think a lot of this really kind of does still apply. In fact, some of it's in a way easier because if you're trying to meet new people and you're trying to meet people
1: online, then you're not even limited by geography. Welcome to The Portable Humanist, the podcast where you can listen to Vermont Humanities talks and learn when you're on the go. I'm Ryan Newswanger. Ryan Krieger is an author, lawyer, teacher, and sometime comedian who lives in Montpelier. When he moved to Vermont about 10 years ago, he decided that he needed to develop a plan for meeting people. That led to what he calls his New in Town project, and eventually a nonfiction book, How to Make Friends as an Adult. We recently spoke with Ryan Krieger to learn his suggestions about starting new friendships as a grown up.
0: My full time job is I'm a lawyer and I teach at UVM, but I have kind of had this side project, which I've been calling the new in town project about uh, helping people uh, learn how to make friends as an adult and to find community. And it's based on my experience about 10 years ago when I moved from New York City to Vermont and I didn't know anybody.
1: Yeah, what, what was that like? Or first of all, did you move to Vermont for, for a job?
0: Yep. Yeah. I got a job working for the state and it was kind of my dream job. So, um, I had been living in New York city for about nine years. I'd only ever lived in cities. I lived in DC and Seattle and Boston. And, um, you know, really the only thing holding me back from coming was I was in my mid thirties and I was like, you know, do I really want to start over again? You know, from scratch at this point. Um, my first job out of college was in Seattle and I was there for six months and I did not make a single friend while I was there. Uh, Seattle's kind of a, an introverted place. And I think people are, it's so transient that a lot of people don't really, you know, if they know you're not sticking around, they don't really, you know, bother uh, too much. That, that was my experience, at least. And I was just very unhappy uh, in those six months. And so I kind of took that as a lesson. And I knew that, you know, I was like, is this going to be another Seattle situation? And yeah. That's what I was really worried about.
1: And did did you find, yeah, I think maybe the stereotype of Vermont is that people keep to themselves, or at the very least, we live indoors six months out of the year and don't really see each other. Did you find that that stereotype sort of held true in your first couple months in Vermont?
0: No, no, not really. I mean, that was that was the thing. Um I, I I made a plan, I made a strategy to, to get out and meet people, to, like, aggressively meet people, even though I'm kind of an introvert and, you know, it was a little bit outside my comfort zone, um, I, you know, I sought people out, you know, I I talked to people in restaurants and, and, you know, people working behind counters and, you know, just random people in the street, really, Um and I live in Montpelier, so, you know, that was kind of, I lived downtown and, you know, you know, I just was... You know constantly going around introducing myself to people and things like that
1: yeah, could you describe the the plan uh, like what were some of, some of the 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 points on the plan as you developed it sure sure
0: so so the first part was just you know meeting people wherever they were, like really you know ma- making a point of of introducing myself to people and and striking up conversations wherever I could and then getting their contact information, you know, like, like, and, and just being very blunt. Look, hey, I'm new. I, I don't know anybody. Uh, you know, you seem cool. Maybe you want to grab a beer or, or get a coffee sometime. And, you know, surprisingly enough, you know, a lot of people, you know, not everybody, but, you know, a lot of people were open to that. And I think as I went through this, what I figured out was that, a lot of people want to meet more people. A lot of people want to make more friends. So if someone asks you, hey, you're cool, I want to hang out with you, you know, a lot of people are like, that's great. Like, like you know, that's exactly what I want as well. Um, you know, importantly, not everybody is going to react that way. Um, and, and the book and, and my talks go into a lot of that as well, like how to do it right, how to do it wrong. There are people who aren't going to want to be your friend. That's okay. Dealing with rejection, you know, that sort of thing. But so that was the first step. And, um, and even I used to walk around with like a piece of paper because I have a terrible memory and I can't remember names. So whenever I'd meet somebody after, you know, we were done, I'd write down their name and like some identifying characteristics so that it, and I didn't always like ask their number the first time I met them. Like, that's the thing about being in a small community. You're going to see them again. You're going to see them around town. So it's really, you know, you're building to, you know, eventually meeting people and, 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 you know, establishing those, those uh, relationships. We're in a weird moment right now where a lot of my baseline advice, go outside the house, find where people are gathering, walk up to random people, you know, and say hi. Obviously that doesn't apply in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, but I actually think a lot of this really kind of does still apply. And in fact, some of it's in a way easier because if you're trying to meet new people and you're trying to meet people online, then you're not even limited by geography. Um, and if you're trying to connect and build community, then it doesn't matter where you live. You have this pool of people, you know, through Facebook or whatever, and you can connect with them, you know, more so than you would if you were ignoring them because you're focusing on the people around you.
1: Yeah, maybe you had this observation, I mean, refle- reflection, just hearing what you're saying is there's this technology that's evolved around dating people. You know, where there's sites that you can create a profile and say, these are my interests, but maybe there isn't anything that exists if you just want to, you know, meet people as friends. So
0: there are websites like
1: friendfinder.com
0: and um, Bumble, which is a dating site, has a Bumble BFF function. You know, I, I would urge caution with these, these things because, you know, social media is rough um, you know, there's all sorts of studies linking social media to depression and all sorts of other things. You know, anytime you're going in a place where everyone's kind of presenting their idealized self and, you know, it's, it's, it's like, in a way, it's like high school, like, like to the, to the fifth power. You know, it's, it, you know, everyone's trying to, like, pretend to be something they're maybe
1: not. And if you realize that, it's a lot easier. When I first met uh, the young man who was going to become my best friend, uh, you know, throughout my teenage years, I was like, oh my goodness, what a nerd. I, you know, like that was my first impression was like, I have nothing in common with this person. Um, and it was just like a matter, we we went to, our families went to the same church, you know, and then in, t- in time we be, just became absolutely inseparable. Um, and so maybe, yeah, maybe when it's a little more close to commodification, um, it, you're not, you're not living with those chances maybe long enough for a friendship to develop.
0: I mean, that that's a critical point that I, I put in the book is that we all learned how to make friends in school. And in school, there are a million... You're basically like stuck with this cadre of people who are all your age, probably similar demographics, similar interests, and you're spending like six hours a day with them, you know, every day. And so, yeah, you're going to connect with some of them. And even if you didn't connect at first over time, just the shared experience is going to bring people together and create those friendships. And in adulthood, everyone exists in their own little bubble, and you just don't have that natural bringing together that gives people the time to, to figure out beyond first impressions, beyond superficial impressions, that this is like a worthwhile person I want to get to know. Um, and, so that's, and so what people do is, as adults, is they assume the same strategy that should have worked for them as kids should work now. And remember, when you're a kid, you're taught, don't try too hard. Don't, don't like seem desperate for friends. That's the last thing you want to do. That's going to drive people away. Uh But as an adult, being aloof and not trying means you're just going to be alone. You actually have to put in the effort. You have to kind of be a little vulnerable and say, you know, uh, you know, I'd like to hang out and, and set yourself up for rejection. You know, if you are a kid, and you're just, do you want to be my friend? Like, I mean, that works when you're like three, but it doesn't work in high school. But it actually can work as an adult, you know, to to be a little bit more upfront about that. And and you kind of have to, you have to put in that effort. You can't just assume it's going to happen organically all,
1: all the time. And so did you have different results in Montpelier than what your experience was in Seattle? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the first thing was in
0: Seattle, I used to you know, I used to go to work and then I'd go home and watch TV. Like I wasn't putting myself out there. I wasn't putting myself where the people were. The way our lives work is we're scheduled and we have jobs. And when the job is over, we're tired and, you know, and we have errands to run. And, you know, if you have time once a week to meet with someone, you know, that, you know, that is the time you have to devote to that person. And if no one's willing to make that, you know, do the scheduling and and follow up, you're not going to, connect with people. Um, so, so that's kind of like, you know, that, that's the second part of it is so you meet people and then you have to actually schedule things. You have to reach out and say, let's hang out. And what I learned there was, and I had a friend in New York, her name was Cindy, and I called her a nexus because she knew everybody and she loved to throw parties. And like, I realized that after nine years in New York, a huge amount of my social circle just came from knowing her. Like my friends were basically her friends. She, she organized, you know, she was the mayor or whatever you want to call them. She was the one who did the organizing and I showed up and these were my friends. And so when I came to Vermont, I realized I was actually going to have to do that. I was going to have to be the nexus because no one was going to just randomly invite me to things because they didn't know me. So I'd have to be the ones who did, who did that. Um, when I got here, I, I discovered that. There were a lot of people, like I said, who didn't, who had like one friend or two friends. had lived in Montpelier for 10 years. And some of them were like hardcore introverts. Some of them just, you know, didn't know where the people were. Um, And, you know, we were all, you know, it was all kind of people in their like 30s and 20s. There were some older people. There were some people in their 40s, 50s. Um, You know, at one point someone were like, oh, so you have like this young professionals organization? I'm like, no, no, no. That's, it's not... Networking, like that's not what this is about at all. Um, and there's nothing wrong with networking. You know, networking is when you go to an organization with a business purpose in mind. And if everybody knows you're doing that, great, that's wonderful. This is a very different thing. Um, and so I started, you know, organizing events. Like, hey, you know, let's go to a movie. You know, hey, let's you know go have a picnic, or like uh, let's go meet up at Three Penny um, or at uh, the Black Door when it was around. Um, and so what, one thing I learned from that was that when you're organizing an event, um, you have to be really specific with what you're organizing. You have to say, you don't say, hey, does anyone want to do anything? Because people basically wait to see what the opportunity is and then they decide whether or not they're going to do it or not. And mm-hmm. if you're vague, generally speaking, people like, are, are not as responsive. But if you say, hey, at seven o'clock tonight, I'm going to be at three penny You know, and then if you can get one other person to commit, so you can say, hey, Cliff and I are going to be at three penny. Now it's a thing. Now it's, there's an event and then, and then fear of missing out kicks in, you know, FOMO kicks in and then people want to be there and it, 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 works. Um, and so I started arranging to hang out with people like every Wednesday night. It was never a plan. Like I'm going to do a Wednesday night thing. It was like, we got together one Wednesday. And then we had a good time and said, hey, you want to do it next week? And we did. And then it became kind of a tradition. And eventually, like 20, 30 people were showing up to this thing. People who, like, I didn't know were showing up and saying, I heard there's a thing. And, you know, it's just, and and, and someone titled it, not me, but someone else titled it the Wednesday Night Drinking Club. And it just, and that eventually dissipated and people, you know, kind of moved away or went their other way. But... Now here in Montpelier, I have this kind of core of friends who I made then. And like, I don't need to do the organization as like I used to do. I don't, I don't do that as much anymore because that was about building the community and making the friends. And I, and I, I I did that.
1: There's another book I'm aware of that I haven't read called Bowling Alone, but I do know it talks about these changes in, in culture. There are traditional ways of meeting people, uh, work, church, through your kids, you know, like school, these organizations, elks or what have you are uh, the Grange Hall uh, are less important culturally than they than they used to be. Um, and people who are having fewer kids or choosing not to have kids at all. In a way, it strikes me as a little bit like the diet, right, where we still eat like farmers, even though we're no longer burning these massive amounts of calories. <laughs> we're still eating meat and potatoes. We still have this idea about how you form a social circle that's based on things that have changed and aren't really there. And so it sounds like you need a strategy like what you came up with, which seems really um you know, pragmatic, and they're you know not like magical like it used to happen, perhaps.
0: And you know, part of it might be you know I'm a lawyer. That's what we do. We say here's a problem. Like, how are we going to like strategize a, a solution? You know, to 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 figure it out. Um, and you know, you mentioned all these different places where people meet and things can happen somewhat organically. You know, interestingly, in Vermont, I I think it's bars. Um, you know, those are kind of like the late night places where people go and gather. We don't have a ton of late night coffee houses, um, you know, or other, you know, and that's that's really unfortunate if, you know, if you don't drink or you, for whatever reason, don't wanna, you know, be hanging out in bars. It's probably the place where people are most open to just walking up to a stranger and saying hi and just striking up conversations. You know, you gotta be careful, obviously, talking to people in bars. Um, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is if you are a single person, then, and you are actually looking for friends, you really have to put romantic stuff out of your mind because, you know, people go into bars and some of them are looking to meet someone, you know? And the problem is, like, if you're focusing on all the people of the gender you're attracted to, then you're ignoring half the bar who might be the people who might
1: be your next friend. Yeah, that that's a good point. What what surprised you uh, the most in, in doing your experiment, if you want to call it that, and going, going through that process where you had the, the Wednesday night gatherings. One of the things that surprised me was kind of how easy it was. I mean, I, I really, it
0: worked far better than, and maybe it was a lightning in a bottle situation. I don't want to promise people, you know, but I mean, I moved here in, on January 1st, 2011, I threw myself a birthday party in early May, four months later. And I looked around my apartment and I counted and there were 26 people in my apartment And I never had that when I lived in New York City, like, (laughs) you know, so, you know, you learn a lot about yourself in the process.
1: Well, I'll ask, what what did you learn about yourself, if you don't mind sharing? Oh, my. Um, Well, since I've moved to Vermont, I've learned that I'm a
0: a lot more of an introvert than I thought I was. Um, I learned that I actually like organizing parties to bring people together. I don't actually like being at parties. Um, I organize a party and then hide in my bedroom for about an hour during the party because it just gets overwhelming. It's just too much. Um, and when people invite me to parties, I'll go and I, I always leave early. I, and, and, and early on, I used to definitely, I was always trying to like hang out with people and, and get together. And I think a lot of that was, came out of a sense of anxiety and uncertainty at not having a community and feeling alone. But once you have the community, once you feel stable, then you don't need to see you know, everybody every week. You know they're there, you know you have solid relationships and you have that, that you're coming at it from a foundation of confidence. And so if you haven't seen someone for a few weeks, you know, it's fine. Um, and then I'm now at a stage where I actually kind of have to like take my own advice more and remind myself. Because part of the advice too is, like relationships require maintenance. You can't just assume they're gonna keep going Um, you you gotta like, you know, you gotta keep calling people and checking in and, 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 you know, scheduling things, um, and things like that. You know, there's actually, so there was actually a study about, on a college campus about friendships, um, and what, what distinguished those acquaintances from, you know, uh, best friendships and whatever. And all it is, is time. It's, it's the more time you spend with someone, the closer you become with them. And I think it said, what was the, what was the, the uh, number? It was something like it takes 100 hours of interaction to forge a best friendship. and oh,
1: interesting. And
0: that's not actually that hard, you know, if you think about it. Like, over the course of a year, you know, that, you, know you find yourself hanging out uh, with people more and more. And, and so, yeah, because, of course, you have that... You have to have that common foundation of experiences and, you know, having been through things together and whatever. And you're not going to have that with everybody, which is fine, but you have to put in the effort. It takes effort to to forge friendships. And in school, that's easy. A hundred hours is like, you know, the first few weeks of school, you've done it. and You're all together.
1: Yeah, I was thinking, there's a little bit of a joke um, at the beginning of the stay at home order. You know, the order was don't go out in the evening, don't go out to eat stay at home, stay indoors, um, don't get together. And it's like, oh, this is just life in Vermont. <laughs> this this is, at least in the wintertime, this is how, how we roll. But I guess the question I'm getting to is, there's an element of what we're going through right now with virtually everyone in North America and a lot of the world being isolated. Um, but there's an aspect of that to Vermont life, especially if you live... Rurally, and especially if, you know, during the indoor months. And so maybe there's things that we can learn about connecting now that will help us out (laughs) in living in in a rural state.
0: Right, well, I mean, so first off, you know, a lot of it is about communication. And, you know, this can apply pandemic or no, you know, just texting someone saying, how are you doing? Telling, you know, communicating to that person that you were thinking about them. You know, when you receive a random text from somebody just being like, you know, I was just thinking about you, how you doing? That feels really good. You know, that is going to lift your mood. That is going to make you feel like someone's thinking of you. And I think everyone right now could probably think of like an old friend who they haven't talked to in a year or in six months. And, and, And how difficult is it to pick up your phone and just shoot them a quick text? And you know, that's all it takes. And so people can do that year round. They can do that in the winter months. Um, And it's also, uh, it's also, you know, we're, we're in this era now that makes it so much easier. I mean, when I was a kid, we used to talk on the phone, right, you'd pick up the phone and if the phone line was available, you had to, you know, talk to them. And I mean, now it's so funny, like a lot of people like the notion of like devoting an hour of your day to just like specifically talking to one person on the phone is kind of weird. But with texting, You can talk to them and they'll get back to you when they get back to you. And, you know, it's not a huge imposition on your time. You know, there are virtual happy hours going on now. Um, um, I know someone who um, is doing a virtual uh, book group. Um, So, you know, she just went on Facebook and said, hey, let's, you know, or, or someone on Facebook said, hey, let's do, you know, read this book together. And so they're doing that. I'm hopeful that, you know, Zoom and all these New tools will become kind of more a part of our day to day now that people are getting more comfortable with them. Which means that you know people will be able to connect face to face with old friends. You know your community might actually expand beyond just your neighbors. I I do think there's still it's still critically important to be have those relationships with your neighbors and you know you know have you know in real life uh, uh, relationships. But I mean I think that you know. One thing we're going to learn from this is how much we really do need each other. You know, how how much, you know, isolation, you know, is not good for us. Making friends is is not just a, you know, it's great for your mental health. It's great for, you know, your well-being, obviously, but it's also great for your physical health. So there have been studies that show that social isolation can have the same impact on mortality as obesity or smoking. Okay. So it can shorten your life. Um, and so if someone is having trouble motivating to put in the effort to, you know, because it does take effort, you know, think about the effort that people take to go to the gym or go for a run or to eat healthy, you know, making friends is part of your health regime. Like it's so, so think of maybe that will help people, you know, think of it as more of a necessity than a nice thing to do. Um, and, and, and similarly, there was a, a study, there's an ongoing study um, of, uh, I think it was a Harvard study, they have been tracking these, uh, they were kids in like the 1910s, 1920s, and they've been tracking them and their family for the past 80, 100 years, and they found that the number one correlation as far as outcomes in, in longevity um, was relationships. It wasn't wealth it wasn't activity. It wasn't anything like that. It was the people who had the the relationships and the community lived longer than those who did not. So it really is. And and especially, you know, in a place like Vermont, where we do have, you know, issues in terms of, you know, mental health crises, we have a fairly high suicide rate. Um, Having a community, having a support network, is critically important in those areas. So, you know, it is really kind of a matter of life and death. It really is a health issue.
1: Have you been doing things uh, to get together physically with your friends during, during this time?
0: Um, I've had some friends over, you know, n- not during like the really bad time when everyone was supposed to be like totally isolated, but, you know, more recently people have come over and we've sat on, the, on our, my porch, like, you know, six feet across from each other. Uh, we've gone for walks in Hubbard Park, you know, with our, with our masks on and our dogs and whatever. Um, you know, more recently, you know, I've been going for walks, you know, walks, walks are key. Um, so yeah, I mean, trying to do that. I had, you know, my birthday was, was in May. We had a Zoom birthday party. Um, and I actually went and I, I got a cake at at Birch Grove and I cut it up and I drove around town, uh, with my girlfriend and we, we, we handed out, uh, we handed out cake so that Everyone have a piece when, you know, it came time to blow (laughs) out the candles, you know, and that was cool, too, because it gave us an opportunity to kind of check in and like, you know, just say hi, you know, for a short amount of time.
1: You know, there's these stories about that people are looking for real estate in Vermont and some people are buying things sight unseen because they see how, you know, our state has fared comparatively better during during the crisis. And we have this very low population density. So there's a way in which we're we're safer. Um, so potentially we'll be having new neighbors, right? You know, what can we do who, who live here when people new are coming in um, so that they might not need to come up with a plan the, the way that you did?
0: Montpelier is a pretty uh, transient place, so I think it's, it's not typical necessarily of all Vermont communities. I think that one thing we can do is kind of let go of the whole how many generations have you been here thing, like you know i i'm legitimate and you're not just because you know you've only been here two generations instead of seven or whatever um we need people we want to be welcoming to people um i believe in burlington at one point they might not be doing it anymore but they were actually um they were actually like uh working on creating kind of a welcome wagon organization to like reach out to people as they moved into the community and you know you know approach them um, I have had people come and like leave baked goods on my you know front front step and um you know and that you know definitely I, I think that's one of the nicest things you can do. You have a new neighbor there's someone in your neighborhood you 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 bake a banana bread and you go over you know and, and you bring them the, the banana bread um, you know you want a diverse group of friends and you want to be very open minded about who you want to be friends with you know don't just look for people your age you know, your, uh, you know, your ethnicity or whatever, you know, be open to be friendly with everybody. You know, it's, it's, you know, there's a wide world out there and, you know, it's amazing who
1: who you can meet. That's Ryan Krieger, the author of a nonfiction book, How to Make Friends as an Adult. Thanks for listening to The Portable Humanist. Visit our website at portablehumanist.org for a transcript of this episode and for more information about Vermont Humanities.